0: Hi, this is Chris Pietta from PI Productions, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast.
1: Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in your business. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 302. Today, Chris, Pieta and I are going to have a conversation about getting clients to supplement your income. Chris is a product photographer at Pieta Productions. He teaches creative business on YouTube. He helps other creatives get clients, start their businesses, and scale down the road. While he's not a food blogger, Chris has helped other food bloggers seek out clients and has an understanding of the business of food blogging. Chris, I'm super excited to dig into this today. But first, we'd love to hear what your fun fact is.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on today. I'm really excited to be here and share what I know with your audience. Uh, So my fun fact is actually that I don't have a formal education in photography or business. My background's in chemistry. Um, I pivoted a few years ago towards towards photography and building up the business um, after working in uh, corporate America for a while learning my heart wasn't in that. So, I pivoted and learned everything pretty much from books, YouTube, and experience.
1: Wow, that's a huge pivot. <laughs>
0: yeah. So,
1: were you always aligned with photography? I mean, was it something that you enjoyed in your childhood, or was this a completely new experience for you?
0: Looking back... Um, I don't think I really was into photography that much during my childhood. Um, I picked up my first camera at the end of 2016 uh, for like a big trip abroad. Um, I just wanted like a nice camera to take with me for that trip. And I just kind of fell in love with it there. Um, I was living in Chicago at the time. So during the weekends, I would just go out and shoot the city, um, shoot portraits. And from there, just kind of evolved into product photography. Over time, I tried to just get better every time I went out shooting. Um, and eventually we landed on product photography and that's kind of where, uh, where the business started.
1: Well, your fun fact naturally led into our first point that was seamless. So, um, you pivoted from a corporate job and something completely unrelated to photography. So talk to us a little bit about how you decided on product photography and maybe just a little bit about how that journey has um, unfolded for you.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, so I pivoted from like cityscape and landscape photography towards product photography uh, when looking to like start my business. Um, I knew I wasn't happy in like my nine to five job. I wanted to be doing something else. And I was good at photography at the time. So I started researching which kind of like niches had um, the most potential to actually make money from. Um, I learned quickly that like landscape photography and cityscape photography didn't really have much money in them unless you were really good or like have been in it for 10 to 15 years plus. Um, but product photography was a really nice niche because lots of businesses require product photos and your photos that you take directly help make those businesses money. So it makes sense for those companies to kind of spend money with you. Um, so that was a good Seemed like a good business opportunity at the time because I knew that companies actually need this need this kind of stuff, especially with the shift to e-commerce. There was never going to be, um, there was always going to be a demand for this kind of photography. So I built up my portfolio around that kind of stuff. Started out working with small coffee shops, getting their like menus online. Uh, from there, pivoted to bigger coffee brands, and then just to the entire like food and beverage uh, space to do product photography for those CPG brands.
1: That's such a cool evolution. I love hearing that. And I think this will kind of supplement our talk because you're here to talk about client acquisition and how food bloggers can put this on their radar in order to supplement their income, right? So the way that you kind of thought through um, your product photography is similar to how food bloggers can approach getting new clients outside of ads and doing like those kind of standard um, things to get money and revenue. So why don't you just talk us through that word or that phrase, client acquisition, and how you think this can help food bloggers supplement their incomes. This is not a phrase that I think we typically hear in our world. So I'd love to hear just your perspective on that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to talk a bit more about that you know, like client acquisition is more um, it's more like matchmaking honestly so you're trying to figure out where uh, your skills align with what brands need so um, as like food bloggers so I actually found this podcast through my girlfriend she has a blog uh, broken Oven baking and she's been working to monetize that with like ads but I know that's like a very long journey that food bloggers go on and during that time they may need supplemental income so bloggers are great at photography great at food photography um, great at writing recipes so these are all skills that you can you can pitch to clients to help um, them out in their own uh, their businesses so big food brands they need constant photos for their socials they need recipes for their blogs or to share around holidays they need uh, videos for tiktoks so these are all things that food bloggers are already doing to build up their own brands but they can pitch these skills in a certain offer towards bigger companies and actually get paid to do that while they're on the process to monetize their own blogs.
1: So how do we align with a brand that we want to pitch? How do we know where to go? There are so many brands out there. I mean, it's hard to even know where to start. So where do you recommend starting?
0: Yeah, so there's many different routes to go uh, down this path. I think the first step is to kind of figure out um what your niche is and what you can offer inside of that niche so with bloggers there's everything like there's a wide variety of different types of blogs out there Um, so the first thing is to make sure that your type of blog lines with the companies that you're reaching out to Um, next you need to know what you're offering so do you prefer to do food photography do you prefer to do recipe development do you like video more Um, you have to figure out kind of like what you can actually offer to these brands before even pitching them um, once you kind of know like your niche and what you're going to be offering, then you can start looking for brands. You know, you can start with the really big brands. Um there are grocery store names, um, but those are a bit harder to work with because there's gonna be a lot of competition around those. You can also look up smaller brands. Um what I what I did when I was starting out was um I used Amazon and I would pick um, like a food in there. So you can pick uh, like cane sugar, search that on Amazon and you're gonna come across smaller brands that um, you might necessarily you might not have heard of in the past, but they still need content for their own um, for their own like Instagram pages, their websites, all of that stuff. Um, you can approach those bigger brands as well through Instagram or through email um, being able to um, If you do a question through Instagram or email, you just have to, again, know kind of what you're offering to those brands and how you can provide value to them.
1: All right. So I have a few questions. Well, one thing I wanted to say was I've been kind of learning about this too from other guests I've had on the podcast. And something that just comes out of every conversation that we have about this topic is just finding the gaps. So finding the brand that you potentially want to work with and figuring out where the gaps are that you can offer. So maybe they don't have product photography on their website, and they should, or something along those lines. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a really um, great way that you can offer your services, especially in like that first initial um, outreach that you do. You can even bring up how you think their website would benefit from this kind of photography, or you, you notice that their website doesn't have any recipes on there. Um, how do they feel about creating recipes to kind of help boost their website's SEO, stuff like that.
1: So it's really doing a little bit of research ahead of time and letting them know that you've been through their site or their accounts. And that will show that you've put some time into it on your end, right?
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. Showing that um, that you care about the their company and you've actually done some research will definitely set you apart from those people that are just uh, messaging everyone without any um, personalized messages.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned photography, video for social media. You could do video, other video, like long form video as well. Recipe development. What am I missing? What else could be a potential offering?
0: Yeah, I think that kind of um, hits most of it, I think.
1: Oh, writing. would writing Oh, yeah, be? That's,
0: that's another great one. Um, or even like optimizing stuff for SEO, um, if you feel confident with that.
1: And that's the great thing about being a food blogger. We've got all of these skills. We are so adept at doing many different things. So we really do have a lot to offer. So I love this perspective. Like you've already got skills that you're doing every day, every week, and that you can offer to others who need, who can value, who would find value in your skills.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. And to kind of build off of that, um, a lot of the time, if you're starting out in this kind of space, you may feel like you're not good enough yet to like be working with the brands. But one thing that I realized pretty recently was that there's room for almost like every level of photographer or blogger out there because there are some big range of brands from small brands to big brands, and they all have different size budgets. So you just kind of have to find the brands that kind of like match your skill level. So if you're a beginner, you might want to just start with those really small brands and reach out to them. Um, And as you grow, you can, um, you can reach out to bigger and bigger brands as well.
1: And this is something that I did forever, Chris, I would sit around and think like, well, if someone wants to work with me, they're going to find me, but that is not necessarily the case. We have to put the work in, we have to take action and we have to be the one to initiate this sort of work correct
0: yeah that's it that's probably the biggest um, if anyone listening is going to take one thing away it's that they have to they have to put in the work in order to actually get clients to come to them um or to actually get clients because clients aren't really going to be coming to you
1: (laughs) it would be nice right if they just fell from the sky (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah and that's i think that's something that a lot of people get uh caught up in because they'll put together a portfolio and publish a website and Make sure their Instagram looks really nice, um, and then they'll just kinda, they're just gonna—they're gonna wait for clients to come to them. They feel like they're ready to start working with brands, so they've put all this effort into building a portfolio and everything, and they sit around and no one comes to them, and they think that they're doing—that they're not good enough. But in reality, building that portfolio is really just like step one. This next step is to actually find the brands out there, reach out to them, um, go on discovery calls with them, uh, really figure out what those brands want, and kind of put yourself out there.
1: Where do we meet these clients? I think everybody has a little bit different perspective on this. Like some people say start on Instagram through direct message or email. What are your thoughts about where to like actually meet and talk to these people?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So personally, in my product photography business, I solely do email. um, So I'll reach out to the brands via email. Um, My girlfriend who's a food blogger, she does uh, Instagram messages and through the Instagram DMs, she'll get uh, their their uh, their like marketing director's email, and from there, reach out via email. So Instagram is a great place to um, get the right emails from the people, um, get the right emails for the people that you want to talk to.
1: So I'm just thinking, this is not only a good way to supplement your income while you're waiting for ads, maybe, but it's also a good way. To- to enhance your skills and um, what's the word like accelerate your skills too. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent because you're going to be doing um, with like the client work. I think naturally you're going to have a pretty high. Um, you're going to try and do the best effort possible for this client because you're getting paid for it. So you want to deliver the best results. So it's going to push push you to do better and better work, which will help your blog in the long run as well.
1: Yeah, totally agree with that. And the more you can dig into these individual pieces of food blogging that you're doing anyway, you're going to get better at them. And that's just going to make you a more well-rounded business person and entrepreneur. And I think there's only good things involved here. What are your thoughts about creating contracts? Do you recommend creating contracts for absolutely every piece of work you do for a client
0: mm-hmm. um so yeah this is a it's a good question but has a few different uh answers so like from my personal experience with my product photography business i have my own like contracts that i um put out and i have clients sign those and they're very straightforward they're just like you get these usage rights for the photos um and the you it just talks about the scope of the project. It's like very straightforward. Um, with bigger clients, they'll tend to usually uh, want you to sign their own contract. So um, a lot of this stuff I know just because I mentioned this before, but I'm helping like my girlfriend with her business. So she gets like a lot of contracts from bigger companies. So you're probably going to have to sign contracts for almost every project. I also... If they don't send you a contract, I recommend that you draft something up yourself. It doesn't have to be anything fancy just to make sure that the terms are clear, the deliverables are uh, clear on the contract just to protect yourself because you never know uh, what can happen.
1: I know that can be a stumbling block if somebody is thinking about this being a great opportunity for them. Like, yeah, I I love doing photography. I would love to get clients. But the contract piece is like, wait, that's a big hang up. I have no idea what to put in it? I don't know where to go get it, so I can see that being something that keeps people from taking action. Do you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely uh, one of those like stepping stones that you feel like you should, you need to have it right in the in the in the proposal, but you're not sure where to find the kind of stuff. Um, so for me, when I was starting out, I took uh, what's that website called? Uh, give me just one minute.
1: Yeah, no problem. And while you're looking, I can just mention uh, Business Ease. I know that she delivers a lot of really thought out and um, very thorough contracts for food bloggers. So it's everything from like uh, non-disclosure agreements to working with a brand to hiring a contractor. Like there's a whole scope there. So that is one resource and I can put that in the show notes. But I would love to hear if you have any others. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, so when I was starting out, I used HoneyBook um, and they have some pre-built templates in there for their contracts. Um, so I just kind of pieced together uh, one of their templates into a contract that made sense for me. Um, and I just kept it very simple. I just, again, just have like the project scope in there. Um, something saying that I'm the sole photographer for this project, something that involves the licenses. But yeah, I used HoneyBook for, for the contract portion of, of the proposal.
1: I'd love to take a moment to tell you about Clarity. Clarity is a powerful tool that allows you to organize, optimize, and update your blog content for maximum growth. Clarity gives you unparalleled insights into the ways that your content can be stronger and more valuable for your readers. Not only does it help you optimize your extensive library of blog content so you can increase your traffic, SEO ranking, and revenue, it also allows you to validate your updates with a direct integration to Google Analytics. Some bloggers are tracking this information manually with multiple spreadsheets and countless hours spent uncovering the data they need in Google Analytics. Clarity automatically syncs all of your data for you, saving you hours upon hours of admin tasks. All of your post information appears in Clarity. Everything is done directly from your Clarity dashboard, and you can be confident in the fact that you're getting the most up-to-date insights to the health of your content. If you are interested in checking out Clarity, head to clarity.com forward slash Talk. Clarity is spelled C-L-A-R-I-T-I dot com forward slash Talk to sign up for the waitlist and take advantage of their $25 a month forever plan. Go to clarity.com forward slash Talk, or check out the resources page on eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources. What else do you have for us? I know that there are a few different pieces of this that we could talk more about. Is there anything that you want people to keep top of mind as they're approaching this and considering it?
0: Yeah, I think one important piece of this, um, I talked about knowing your offer earlier. Um, I think it's very important to have some sort of portfolio page on your blog or maybe even a different website that kind of outlines what the services are that you're hoping to offer so it could be a few food photography photos um, a sample sponsored recipe development uh, post that you made for a company or just even like a mock sponsored post something that will show uh, the clients that you're reaching out to uh, what you can do for them so it's Anyone can like write an email and say "I can do blah 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 but having like something to back that up is really important um, so this is one thing like my girlfriend did so her her blog is broken up in baking but she also made a separate um, page that shows what she can do and different types of client case studies that will kind of help future clients see like what they're what she's capable of so I think that's a very important part of this client acquisition process because even if you take really really great food photos, clients kind of want to see what their product would look like in those photos. Um, I know from my own experience, clients sometimes are very picky about um, your portfolio and they kind of want to see exactly what their product would look like if you were to take a photo of it. So having some sample portfolio like that with, with your offering is a really important piece of the puzzle here.
1: It also shows the client that you're reaching out to that you put effort into that and you're not just kind of willy-nilly reaching out like, ooh, this might be a great idea, but you're actually putting forethought and effort into creating a portfolio. I think that is such a good recommendation. And honestly, I don't know many food bloggers, maybe I'm wrong, maybe food bloggers do do this, but I'm not aware that a ton actually do. I would love for someone to prove me wrong on that, but do you find that most food bloggers are or aren't doing that?
0: Yeah, from my, from what I've seen, um, and I'm no expert, but uh, I've noticed that food bloggers aren't doing that. So um, that's kind of why I recommended like my girlfriend do that, so that she can kind of put herself out there and separate herself from the other food bloggers um, and have that type of portfolio. And having that kind of portfolio um, will like help separate you from the rest of um, everyone who, uh, who's reaching out to clients because you will have that portfolio where you have those examples of what you can do um, and maybe even case studies of how you've helped other companies and when brands see that like you mentioned they will see that you actually care and that you're serious about this kind of stuff
1: mm-hmm. it's almost like a separate business like you are creating a space to op- offer different things from like your recipes on your blog which I think is really smart. And you use this term, which I love, you're separating yourself from the rest who are maybe not doing that. So anything you can do to stand out and to show that you've put extra energy and effort into acquiring these clients, I think is only going to be in your favor. Mm
0: -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And even like, if you have Any past clients, you can ask them to do reviews or testimonials of yourself and you can put those on there as well to further kind of give yourself social credibility.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea too. Little testimonial portions of it. Um, Okay. What else are we missing? What else do food bloggers need to know if they are listening and they are just really interested in this?
0: Um, One thing, so if you've listened to this and you're, really excited about getting clients. Um, it is a very, it's a long process to actually get the clients. So, um, most companies already have like established photographers and, um, stuff like that. So unfortunately, like you're going to get a lot of rejections early on and that's just kind of the nature of this kind of thing. Um, a lot of people are reaching out to brands, so brands only have so much that they can spend with with um, photographers or, or bloggers or recipe developers, um, but know that there are clients out there that want to work with you. Um, you're probably gonna go through a lot of rejection, but you just have to keep on going and get through all of the no's until you start getting yeses. So it's going to be a very long process, but know that everyone goes through this. You're gonna get a lot of no's, but eventually the yeses will come.
1: Yeah, if you apply enough pressure, eventually you're going to find those people who align with you, right? And who really value your work and truly want to work with you and partner with you. Um, But I'm glad that you mentioned the rejection because that can be hard if you don't expect it. Like, wait a second, I (laughs) I did not expect to get rejected 10 times in a row, but that is the nature of the game. You just, like, starting out, you don't know what is a good fit yet. So while you're exploring that, to just kind of go in expecting that.
0: Yep, exactly. Um, if your expectation is that they're going to say no, when they say no, you're not going to be disappointed. So any yeses that you get, you'll be uh, you'll be really excited about. I
1: was trying to remember where I heard this from, but I heard recently somebody saying, like, if you're trying to get clients in whatever capacity, try the opposite, like try to get no's and it kind of like messes with your mind or your mental strategy. But if you say like, I aim to get 10 no's this week or something like that, then you're expecting the 10 no's. And then it also kind of encourage you, encourages you to keep going. Um, And then when you get a yes, it's like kind of off-putting, but it's like, Oh, I got a yes. (laughs) So I loved that. I've never tried that before, but I liked that kind of mental, shift. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I I like that a lot too. Um, For me, something that's helped uh, is always just to focus like on the process. So instead of saying I want to get two clients this month, instead say I'm going to send 50 emails this month. So you know that that's something you can control. You can control how many emails you send, but you can't control who's going to respond or who's going to say yes because that's based on luck and other factors that you can't control so really just focusing on like what you can control will be great for your mental health
1: one last question about when you're reaching out to clients how frequently do you follow up with them if you don't hear anything back initially
0: so uh two things here so with um like cold reaching out i've never talked to them before Um, I'll usually send one email and then follow up with them uh, probably around four or five days afterwards. And then if they don't respond to that, I'll usually drop it. Um, If it's a client that I've been talking to and I've sent them a proposal to work together and I haven't heard back from them, in that case, I'm just going to keep following up until they tell me to not talk to them Um, because the worst thing they'll say is no. But on the upside, they'll say yes. So a lot of the time, um, With follow-up too, you might feel like you're bothering them. Um, but usually when I'm following up, often people will actually like thank me for being persistent with this um, or like you're not actually bothering them. They will tell you if you are, um, but most of the time they just thank me for being like persistent and uh, I'm still thinking about them.
1: Yeah. Okay, Lyd, I do have one more question. Do you have somewhere <laughs> where you keep track of all of the clients that you reach out to do you have like a Google Sheet or something along those lines?
0: Yeah, so I actually have I have a few different types of softwares for this. Um, that could be a whole other podcast episode, honestly. But uh, Google Sheets is a great place to just keep track of um, clients because you can just make a column for like first name, last name, job title, company, and email. And then you can check off how many times you've followed up with them. Um, I also use a software called Apollo.io. Um, it's a really powerful tool to help you, one, find email addresses and to keep track of um, who's responded and who hasn't responded. But that's, um, that's I think, it's pretty expensive every month. Um, it's definitely not necessary, but it's a nice software to have.
1: Okay, but so having somewhere where you keep track, I think, is good, right? Because otherwise, I can just see it being like, oh, wait, I think I contacted them last week, but... Um, just to have it like set in stone and certain so you can log any time you want to follow up or anything like that. And dates too, like dates you've contacted them, et cetera. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Organization is key on this kind of stuff. and yeah,
1: Exactly. Yes, organization is key for food bloggers no matter what we're talking about, whether it's client work or content. I feel like we all need just places to store all of that stuff, all of that information. Do you have a main takeaway that you want to leave us with, Chris, along the lines of this topic?
0: Yeah, I think um, if you've never thought about client acquisition before or gaining clients to kind of supplement your income, it could be a great way to help you make the switch to being a full-time blogger. Um, You can supplement your nine-to-five income with client work or even just pure client work until your blog is ready to be monetized. So it's just a fantastic way to, you know, supplement your income and maybe you'll even find out that you prefer the client work over the blogging work and then you'll have fun doing both of those.
1: Oh, I like that. I like that you ended with that because you never know. You could be in this rut of, you know, just being on track to get your ads on your blog and then you venture out into this new field in order to find clients and then find that you really love it. And you that could change the whole direction of your business. So why not? Why not explore new territory? You never know what you're going to end up loving. So love that you ended that way. <laughs> and thank you so much for being here, Chris. This was so valuable.
0: Of course. This was a really great conversation. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with us?
0: When nothing seems to help, I go and look at the stonecutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know that was not the blow that did it, but all that had gone before. So I like this quote just because it kind of talks about the process of a building like a blog and how you're going to be putting a lot of hours in and it's going to seem like nothing is working and your numbers might not be going up, but it's not the last, when you do finally make it, it's not an overnight success. It's what you've done all the way up until that point. It's the hundreds and hundreds of hours that you put in until that point.
1: Oh, I love that. It's like you could come up with so many different analogy or not analogies, but like visuals for that like the planting of a seed and how you put it in the ground and you have to wait and you have to do the right things and keep going. And then eventually it's going to grow. And and it doesn't mean that it's not there when it's not growing. It just means that it's working underneath and it's kind of that same thing. Um, Yeah. So I absolutely love that. I think that aligns with our topic, but also just being a food blogger and just continuing on the path, even when it feels like nothing's working, the traffic isn't going anywhere all of the above, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you for sharing that. So we will put together a show notes for you and we'll put everything that we've talked about today inside of the show notes. So you can find those at eblogtalk.com forward slash Pieta Productions. So why don't you share where everyone can find you? If you have any resources that people can grab from you where you are on social media all of the above
0: yeah of course um so if you're really interested in client acquisition i have like a free 20-minute training on my website Um, it just goes through kind of what we talked about here um, in more detail that's a great resource that's just uh, chrispieta.com i'm on youtube there i do uh, long form videos kind of talking about what we did uh, here today i do client acquisition scaling your business um, kind of the whole creative business journey that everyone goes on Um, and then I do a very similar thing on Instagram it's just short form content so I'm pretty big on reels right now so almost every day I'm posting a 30 second clip teaching you uh, the creative business
1: awesome well everybody go check chris out and thank you again so much chris for joining me and thank you for listening today food bloggers i will see you in the next episode we're glad you could join us on this episode of eat blog talk for more resources based on today's discussion as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com if you feel that hunger for information we'll be here to feed you on eat blog talk